enjoyed service so far. We're pretty pretty well on schedule, and I think we're going to do just fine to, to get out of here and, and to get a wonderful meal. Thank you all for coming. And those of you coming to visit with us, we sure do appreciate you taking the time to do that and to come visit with us today. Uh, I want you to turn to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Of course, uh, we're, this whole emphasis today is about Thanksgiving, about moving toward that day. Of course, Thursday, we have family coming in, and I, probably many of you are either got family coming in or you're going to be going to family or somehow uniting with family. I was in an environment for many, many years where everybody was away from home pretty much. You know, I was at the, at the college up north, and... Uh, and uh, you know, so many of the kids, uh, Thanksgiving, are trying to get home at Thanksgiving, and, and a lot of us, you know, families. Our very first year up there in 1982, we went to, uh, we came home for Thanksgiving. Uh, that was the last, no, not, uh, no, I'm sorry, that was not, uh, we, we had Thanksgiving. We probably went home one or two of those, more of those, but 1986, we started having Thanksgiving with, with the sailors from Great Lakes Naval Base at our house, and we did that until I'm not sure exactly when, maybe 2004, 5, 6, something like that. Uh, we had Thanksgiving with uh, the sailor boys and girls that, are, that were up at, uh, up at Great Lakes, and they came down, and we would have anywhere from 70 to 90 at our house on, on Thanksgiving Day. And so never came back home for Thanksgiving. So this is one of the, the few Thanksgivings, or maybe in about 30 years, that we've been able to have Thanksgiving here in, down in, in Tennessee. So... It's a thrill to be back here, and, and uh, we're trying to do today a little bit of what we did back then. We would have just so much t- food, and, and uh, the families of the church would, would make turkeys and hams, and, and uh, I told them one time we had uh, uh, about 26 turkeys, I believe is what it was, 26 turkeys. I don't know how many hams we had. We had an, a deer that I'd killed, and so we smoked a whole deer. I told them that it was, it was pretty tough to get them rolled up, but we smoked a whole deer. Uh, but, uh, we, we had all of that and then we had 55 pies, 55 different pies. And, uh, when the day was over, when they all left that evening, I couldn't find enough to make a sandwich out of. I mean, those boys could flat eat. They could really eat and they would. And, uh, so it was, it was great. We have a lot of wonderful memories. A lot of young men trusted Christ that day. You know, the most important thing to be thankful for is your salvation. You know, this life is not going to be forever here on this planet. We won't, we won't walk this, this earth like this forever. Uh, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this a judgment. We, we will, every one of us in this room, uh, unless the Lord comes back and takes us to be with Him, we're going to die a physical death. And when that death takes place, we're going, to, we're going to be one place or the other. Absent from the body, present with the Lord if you're saved. The moment you, you take that last breath, the moment, that millisecond, that microsecond, whatever it can be, it will be, uh, uh, we will be absolutely spontaneously with the Lord. But sadly, uh, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you do not know 100% sure you're going to heaven, that last breath may be a, a, a much, much worse destination. Amen. I'm going to talk about this uh, a little bit in this, but we're going to start out with Psalm uh, 103, verse 1. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. 
That's my favorite verse if I forget to pray for my food. If you notice that, it says, and bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. And so if I forget to pray and I get started eating already, then I start praying, Lord, bless all that's within me. And so, <coughs> excuse me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. And boy, that would be wonderful if we would not forget all of His benefits. God has been so good to us. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, praise the Lord, nor rewardeth us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. We're going to start there. He remembereth that we are dust. Father, I pray that you bless. Holy Spirit of God, guide my thoughts and my mind this morning. Lord, please direct me. Holy Spirit of God, I ask you, please, to fill me with your presence and power. And, and Lord, I come boldly right now before the throne of grace and, and, and to find mercy. And, 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 Lord, I need your mercy. I need your grace and your strength. And, Holy Spirit of God, I need your filling to direct my mind and my thoughts to say only what you'd have me to say. And Lord, I need you. I ask you to wrap your arms around this church and this building and everyone in it right now as a mighty hedge of protection. Lord, the evil rages in our world. And, but Lord, we know that you're greater, you're stronger, you're more powerful. And through the name of Jesus, you can turn back the enemy. And I ask you to do that now. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. He says, he, the verse says, he remembers that we are dust. He knoweth our frame and remembers. You know, the, the truth is, our greatest barrier to knowing God better is not how much God, uh, that we know about God really. It's, it's really, it's how much does God know about us. And, and the, the truth is, we, and it's not God hinders our relationship. Truly, we hinder our relationship. Yeah. We struggle with God because often it's, it's insecurities. We struggle because we feel so bad about ourselves. If we know the truth about ourselves, think how much more God knows about us. And that's kind of, you know, if you really believe that Almighty God and omniscient God, you, you look at yourself and you think, Lord, I, I know how wicked I am. Hardly anybody else knows how wicked I am, but you do. That's a scary thing. And, 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 but thank God, the verse says, He knows we're dust. He knows we're frail. He knows we're weak. And so sometimes we don't pray or read the Bible or think about God because we look in the mirror and we feel like saying, you're a big disappointment. Or you ought to be, uh, be a lot better by now. And we condemn ourselves and we fail to get close to God because we are keeping ourselves from God. And often we think, well, our sin is keeping me from God. Not a lot of times it's just simply we don't feel worthy to approach Him. 
And can I tell you, listen, nobody is worthy to approach him. That's why his grace is so important. We fall felt this way from time to time. I imagine that many people are reading, just, just hearing what I'm saying right now, uh, feel that way right now. It's, it's been a hard week or a bad month, and now we're near the end of what seems like a wasted year maybe. And we, we, we think we run from God rather than to him because we know our own hearts all too well and, and, and we know his barely at all. And so we feel so distant from him. But God knows us. He knows we, our weaknesses. And he wants us to seek him and to be close to him. Now the truth is I don't have to spend time trying to convince we're, our, us we're sinners. But, the, but also the truth is, is that no man can ever be saved. No man can ever know he's going to heaven when he dies. No man can be assured, 100% sure of, of heaven until he first realizes that he's a sinner and undeserving. And we've got to understand, and folks, please, uh, wherever you come from, whatever background you come from, uh, we've got to understand that that. We, you, no one can ever live good enough to earn God's pleasure. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And no matter how hard we try, we're going to come short. And so thank God, though, uh, Psalm 103, verses 6 and 7, this is where we're going to really pick up. Uh, number one, he loves to help the needy. Anybody in here, you needy? Come on, y'all. We're all needy. We are needy. And you think, well, no, I got some money in my pocket. No, that doesn't make a difference whether you're needy or not. We are all needy. And Psalm 103, verse 6 and 7 says, The Lord ex- executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Look at that word, the oppressed. The oppressed are those who can't help themselves. In the Old Testament, the word especially referred to widows, orphans, foreigners, and the poor. When we are tempted to take advantage of others because we are strong and they're weak, God says he takes the side of the weak. You know, my preacher used to say, he said, you know, if I have, if if one man attacks another, he said, I'm always going to defend the man who's being attacked. Okay, you know what? God is that way. God says, you're the weak, you're needy, I'm on your side. Isn't that good to know God's on your side right now? Look. God is on your side, and we sometimes, we think because we're strong, we can abuse the weak. Listen, we have no right to to ever uh, hurt anyone or oppress anyone. That is not in God's plan, and God doesn't do it. God is for the ones who are oppressed. Our God keeps his eyes on the helpless. When others hurt them, he moves the balance uh, to balance the scales of justice. And I know sometimes we think, well, will it ever be justice? I understand that, but God, in God's timing, there will always be justice in God's time. Some has not talked about it a whole lot anymore. We talk about God's love, but God also has justice. And watch this, even though it may not happen the way we want it to, even though it may not happen the way we want it to, even though it may not happen uh, even in our lifetime, justice always comes because a God is a God of justice. There are days and times when it's hard to believe, especially in light of events with you know, the terrorist bombings and all the things that go on. But this truth stands like a solid rock for the believer. If all of history is a book, we haven't reached the final chapter yet. We're somewhere near the end, but we're not sure how far we are away. 
But we know this much. Eventually, God will bring everything to light, and he will judge with impartiality. In that day, there'll be no hiding, no excuse-making, no bribes, and no way of escape. We all will stand before God one day, every one of us. Eventually, God will bring everything to light, and he will judge with impartiality. Are you the needy? The answer is yes, whether you know it or not. You are needy, and God is on your side. That's a great place to start. Every one of us in here is needy. And, that, and the fact that we are needy, God says, I'm on your side. Amen. You know, he, he loved us so much, he sent his son to die for us. He must be for us. He must be for us. Can I get anybody to say amen somewhere? Yeah. He must be for us. He sent Jesus to die for us. Yeah. You know, Scripture says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Yeah. Watch this now. God's for you. He is for you. Number two, I want you to look at Psalm 103, verse 8. It says, he shows mercy to those who don't deserve it. Boy, this is incredible. Psalm 103, verse 8 says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Woo, look at this. This this is four incredible attributes of God if you'll look at it right here. Number one, the Lord is merciful or compassionate. He pardons us. When you come to Jesus, when you come before him and bow your knee before Almighty God, and when you cry out to God, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what God's willing to do? He's willing to pardon us. He's willing to take away all of our sins. Folks, you understand, he he doesn't, uh, I'm explaining this on Wednesday night, he doesn't just forgive us, no, he justifies us. And that's a different thing. He justifies us, which means all the righteousness of Christ comes upon me through the blood of Jesus Christ, and all the sin and wickedness that I have goes upon Jesus Christ. So I'm no longer guilty. Number two in this verse, you see, the Lord is gracious. He gives us what we don't deserve. Boy, isn't it good that we don't get what we do deserve? People say, you know, and I talk about Sunday school class, life is unfair. I don't understand. This is unfair. That's unfair. The most unfair thing in the world is that Jesus came and died in our place. It was unfair for Jesus to suffer and be beaten and bleed and die and hang on a cross. That was unfair. Thank God he arose from the grave, though. The Lord is slow to anger, the Bible says. He is patient with us when we fall and when we fail. He's slow to anger. He's patient with us. The people that come to church here, you know that one of my prayers is, and part of my prayer almost always is, Lord, thank you for your patience with me. Your grace, your mercy, and your patience. Boy, we, every one of us, we'd be obliterated right now if, if God really did what he ought to do with us. But he's patient with us. And then the, the fourth thing you see in this verse is that he's plenteous in mercy. He loves us more than we can imagine. He has so much mercy. Plenteous in mercy. Spurgeon described it this way. All the world tastes of his sparing mercy. Those who hear the gospel partake of his inviting mercy. The saints live by his saving mercy. 
and, and are preserved by his upholding mercy, are cheered by his consoling mercy, and will enter heaven through his infinite and everlasting mercy. And it, listen to this now. It, it amazed me when I noticed that his, his mercy endureth forever. Do you understand what that really means? Do you understand that God's mercy endures forever? That means that we get mercy for all eternity. Number three, he tempers his wrath. Psalm 103, 9 and 10, it says, He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Again, uh, this is so patient, so merciful. Have you ever known anybody, anybody here ever known anybody that just loved to argue? Okay, you're married to him. All right, I... You love, they just love to argue. We all know people who love to keep a quarrel going because they're so angry. They just, they, they're out of control. And we're not, don't even know what we're arguing about. We're just going to argue. And this is called marriage, folks. <laughs> we get in these things and we start arguing and pretty soon we don't even know what this is about. This has not happened very often, but it's happened a few times through our marriage where finally one of us will just start laughing. Because we suddenly realize we don't even know what we're talking about. We're just angry. God's not like that. He's willing to end the quarrel and welcome us back home. It's amazing. God's always willing to say, I don't want to argue. Sometimes the real problem is that we, we want to keep fighting him. He's more ready to forgive than we are. When we forget to pray, listen, this is how, what kind of God we got. When we forget to pray, he remembers to feed us anyway. When we're, when we're in sin, he sends his Holy Spirit to convict us. When we refuse to give, he keeps giving to us still. When we fall, he lifts us up. When we dis disappoint ourselves and others, he still calls us his children. God even blesses those who don't believe in him. Did you understand that? That, that? Even the people outside these walls right now who don't believe in God at all, do you know that God's still blessing them right now? It's the goodness of God that leadeth us to repentance. God's still good. God's good to everybody in this room. I don't care what you're going through. God's still good to you. He is. And I said it again in Sunday school class, listen, folks, don't get in that, that little pity party where, you know, it's, oh, woe is me. It's so terrible for me. It goes good for everybody else, but it's so bad for me. You just don't know their, their life. You, you don't live with them. It's, it, look, I guarantee you, everybody in here has got some kind of problem that you don't want to have. Now, you think yours is bad, but, but somebody in here has got stuff you don't want to have. See, the mercy of God, instead of crushing him like uh, God would normally, you'd think he just crushes us like an empty eggshell. The Lord, uh, but instead, the Lord feeds us and nourishes us and gives health to us and love and life. It's the long-suffering of God that, that allows these, these atheists like Christopher Hutchins and Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris, these guys who, who just debate and, and like to just try to, to, to confuse the world about, uh, about God. Uh, God is still blessing even those people. 
Number next, if you look at Psalm 103, verse 11 and 12, he forgives all our sins. Psalm 103, 11 and 12, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Look at this, and this is such a wonderful verse. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Amen. You know, if you, if you really consider the greatness of God's love, Astronomers tell us that the farthest star, a known light source from the earth is 10 billion light years away. And that's what they can tell out there. That means that light starting from that source would take 10 billion years traveling at the speed of light to arrive at the earth. You understand God created all this? Did you, did you know that God says that, that he is the, the, the heavens are the span of his hand? That's how big God is. The nearest star is only four light years away from us. That's four years traveling at the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles per second. Light from the sun reaches the earth in a little over eight minutes. So even the nearest star is a vast distance from the earth. And, and, and you could use anything you wanted to. You could use uh, some uh, modern spaceship uh, you could use your, some uh, sci-fi spaceship. You could use whatever you wanted to and fly at warp speed, amen? But the truth is, you can't even get to the end of it. You can't find the end of God's love. Number five, he understands our weakness. Psalm 103, verse 13 says, Like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Boy, isn't there something God says, You're my children. You're my children, am I? And I care about what you're going through. My heart breaks for what you're going through. This is what Almighty God says. He cares about what's happening in your life right now. And the truth is, this is a challenge to us as earthly fathers because how we present ourselves as earthly fathers is how our children will see Almighty God, their Heavenly Father. And he says in verse 14 and 16, he remembers that we are dust. He remembers if we are dust. If you don't have anything else to be thankful for this year, Here's something to be thankful for. Our hope is not in man or anything man can do. Our hope is in the everlasting God. Our hope is in the eternal created, uh, a creator who made every one of us, who everybody in this room, and I just want to say, the junior church, you are incredible. These kids come in here and they sit up like little young men and women and been so attentive. They are good. As you know, God created the heavens and the earth and he, he gave us a passage of scripture like Psalm 103 just to see how much he loves us, how patient he is with us, how he knows, and just as makes a statement, he knows that we're dust. He knows that we... There's no way that we can live good enough to meet him or, or climb up to him. I illustrated this recently, but 
is when the scripture says, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God, no matter how hard we try, no matter how good you are, you may be down here and, and this low, you may be on this low level of sin and, and, and heavy into sin, and your life may be a wreck and ruin, and you come short. If that heaven is that ceiling, you come short. But even if you go up and stand in one of those chairs, if I go up here and stand up here in this, this highest chair, I am now closer, but I still come short. You know what that means? Not, no, there's nobody in here any better than anybody else. All of us are equal in the sight of God and the fact we come short of God. And it's because of our sin. But here's the wonderful thing. He knows that we're sinners. He knows that we're dust. He knows that we cannot be good enough to get to heaven. We can't earn our way there. And that's why he loved us so much he sent his son to die in our place. And folks, please, I understand that all over this, this nation and all over this, this Memphis area, we have a lot of teaching that says that, that you can, uh, you know, Jesus is here and I can trust Jesus and, and maybe, and he'll help me go to heaven and I can get baptized and I can take communion and I can treat people good. If I do all those things, I can somehow hope that when I die, I'll go to heaven. Folks, You'll never, you live in misery. You live in confusion that way. God says being justified by faith, therefore we have peace with God. You want to put your head on your pillow tonight? You want to know 100% sure you're going to heaven? Listen to me, there's only one way to do that, and that's 100% trust and dependence on Jesus and nothing else. He paid your sin. He paid it all. We have a lot to be thankful for, but the most important thing to be thankful for is if you know that you're on your way to heaven when you die, if you know that you trusted Christ with all your heart and you say to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, it's not my work, it's not my goodness, I can't even help myself go to heaven, I completely yield myself to you and I trust you as my Savior. I accept your gift of eternal life to take me to heaven when I die. It's done then. That's the only way anyone can know for sure they're going to heaven. And the scripture says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Amen. And God said, I don't want you sitting out there wondering, hoping. It was something like this. I don't remember exactly, but I remember my, my brother John telling me that and, and it's in, in my memory, and it could have been something you relate to me, but in my memory, I was with him when, when before he went to, uh, to the military and thinking he was going to go to Vietnam and went to a preacher and, and said, uh, said to him, how can, how can I know for sure what's going to happen to me when I die? Because, you know, going to Vietnam wasn't, it wasn't a great expectation that you would live. And, and, and so uh, I can remember, and it's been lodged in my brain all these, all these years, the statement that is, uh, all I can tell you is that you, ho you better hope and pray that you have uh, maybe 30 seconds before you die that you can ask God to, to forgive you of all your sins. Well, what if you don't have that 30 seconds? What a way to leave somebody. To just look at them and Demarcus and say, hey, you just better hope that when somebody shoots you, you live another 20 seconds. 
Because in that 20 seconds, you're going to have to ask God to forgive you all your sins. Let me tell you, God made a way that we could be forgiven of all of our sins right now. And we could live out the rest of our lives, look, not in perfection, but in peace. Because my eternal life's not based on me, it's based on Him. The sinless, perfect Son of God that shed His blood, nailed to a cross, beat beyond recognition, uh, buried in a, in a tomb for three days and three nights, and he arose from the grave. And he did that so I could have eternal life, so I could be forgiven of my sins, so I could be justified in the sight of Almighty God. Say justified, what does that mean? I just as though I had never sinned. That's the way God sees me, just as though I have never sinned. You say, how could God do that when I'm such a wicked sinner? Hey, God made the plan. And sin has to be paid for, and Jesus paid for it. And that gift of eternal life must be accepted, though. This is an illustration I've used all, I don't know now, 20-something years, 30 years. But this ring was given to me by my dad when my mom... Went to heaven the day of her funeral. That's that's a gift. But when it was sitting on his dresser and he says, that's yours, you can have it. I look at it and see, I recognize it. I realize it. I believe in it. But it's not mine until I accept it. And you may say, well, I believe in Jesus. Have you accepted him as your Savior? Have you called upon him to save you from your sin? All of your sin, past, present, and future. 20 years old, I did that. 20 years old in a dorm room at Memphis State University, I did that. Trusted God, trusted Christ as my Savior. I didn't stand up and become outwardly perfect. But in the sight of God, he saw me as perfect. And that's what you want to do. That's what you want to thank God for. If you know that heaven is your home and you know you're on your way to heaven because you trusted Christ as your Savior, you can thank God right now. That whatever comes, hey, as one preacher put it one time, uh, uh, Dr. John R. Rice, they said he was in the elevator and a man came and stuck a gun in his stomach and said, I'm going to kill you. And they said, old Dr. John R. Rice, who always pulled his glass down his nose, looked at him and said, you can't scare me with heaven. Amen. That's peace, folks. He knew he was on his way to heaven. So to live is Christ. To die is gain. It's going to come. What peace it is to know that when it does come, that final breath is taken. We're on our way to heaven. Let's all bow our heads and thank you for your attentiveness.